You're listening to Seattle Real Estate Podcast. So rent in the inland Northwest is soaring, soaring like an eagle and not in a good way, like eagles do. And tenants feel powerless to stop it. Where is the inland Northwest? Well, you know where the Pacific Northwest is. That's out where the ocean, Pacific Ocean is. Inland Northwest is across the mountains, east of the mountains. It's kind of the Spokane area. Think like uh, central portion and northern portion of state of Washington, as far as Idaho, our eastern border goes over to Idaho. So eastern Washington, Spokane, Western portion of Idaho. That's the inland Northwest. So we've got a situation here in Western Washington and across a lot of real estate markets throughout the United States. You're going to see this narrative. I've already done a couple of podcasts on this. This is something that um, is going to be a reoccurring theme because one of the impacts from the pandemic and the way that the pandemic was handled as far as housing went, uh, that whole eviction moratorium, it's going to put a big squeeze on the supply of rental properties and rents, and and not just that, just a whole bunch of different circumstances, everything is going up, right? Rent is one of them. So rent, rent is a spiking and uh, tenants are like, what do we what are you going to do if you're a tenant? I mean, you're either going to pay or you're going to say no, and you're going to have to go to somewhere else where rent is equally high, if not higher, right? It's a crazy scenario. On July 1st, Melody Deathridge arrived home after work to find a notice of rent increase on her door. So something that's happened here in Washington is you can do a 60 day notice now of uh, notice uh, rent to, to increase rent. So that's what's happening here in Washington. So people are getting a lot of notices. Rent hasn't increased, but they're, they're getting notices that in 60 days, um, yeah, your rent's going up. She'd been expecting a bump in rent, but this was far beyond what she'd imagined, an increase of over $500 a month, effective sept- September 1st. If you're in New York, 500 bucks a month, New York City, all right, that's still excessive. But percentage-wise, $500 versus the inland Northwest versus like in New York City, th- those are drastically different numbers. So 500 bucks a month is a huge number. And that's her her bumped up rent as of uh, September 1st. And if Deathridge, 65, she's 65 years old, refused to sign a lease under those terms, then Hillby Station Apartments would increase her rent again to 2350, double what she's currently paying. So if she doesn't want to sign a lease under those terms, Rent gets bumped even further up to twenty three fifty. That's that's a crazy increase, double what she's paying. Deathridge, who works in human resources for a nonprofit agency, says it left her without options. She can't move since the vacancy rate in Spokane is so low, but paying an extra five hundred dollars alone is a significant change. That's a huge number for a lot of people. A lot of people, five hundred bucks. You pay a lot of bills with 500 bucks. And then to have that money allotted for those bills, all of a sudden just goes to your housing. That's why I'm doing as many podcasts as I am, because this is, this is, this is impacting a ton of people. I like my setup, my situation, my location to be forced into potentially having to move or having to seek other kinds of housing solutions. It's this huge disruption and stress imposed on my life, she says. And that is what is going on right now, right now. Others, could I say right now, and you know what I mean, 
Um, other renters in Spokane are seeing similar increases since Washington State Governor Jay Inslee uh, lifted. I just whenever I read his name, I just I get hung up, right? Uh, Jay Inslee lifted the eviction moratorium on June 30th that prevented it. So that is out of there now. And so you can do your 60 day notice and all right, rent's going up. Spokane has seen a 29% increase in median rent in the last year. 29%. That's across the board. That's an average 29% increase. That is enormous. The second fastest increase in the country, according to a rent report by apartment list. Morgan Trow, a KREM TV reporter, said on Twitter that her rent at the Trestle Creek Apartments was being raised by $600, plus another $600 if she didn't sign a new lease. Another Trestle Creek tenant who requested to be anonymous for this article tells the Inlander that she is having her own rent increased by 50%, plus more if she doesn't sign a lease. That's just what's going on. This is nuts. But we've kind of been talking about this, haven't we? And by we, I mean, me and you and other people who kind of understand the dynamics of what's going on here. This hasn't been a hard call. Um, but I think it's a shocking call when you actually get that notice posted on your door or you receive that notice in the mail. And um, yeah, it's going to be some brutal times. And this is, this is in when we're recovering from the pandemic. You know what I mean? And it's like, okay, yeah, we could have avoided this by all this other stuff that we didn't necessarily need to do, but we did. And here we are. And the consequences are 50% increases, 30, what was it? 29% increase throughout Spokane. It seems to me that either I pay this increase or I will be homeless, the tenant says. That's something I've talked about a lot is, okay, some people will be homeless. Other people will figure it out. Maybe they pay the increase. They figure out how to do that because everything's going up. And that's why it's, it's putting such a, such a squeeze on the lower and middle class who are already have thin margins in their budgets. And so you've got these huge rent increases. Oh, they're just devastating. Some people are going to end up homeless. That's, that's the brutal reality here. And there's not much you can do. Because there's so many people that are competing for the same pool of housing. It's a crisis likely leading to increased homelessness. And experts say it's driven by a lack of housing supply, and the unintended consequences of the eviction moratorium. That's kind of where I've been at. Here we are, you know what I mean? But right now, tenants and tenant advocates feel powerless to prevent it because you really can't. Unless you go into a rental freeze situation, these numbers are just going to be, they're going to be brutal. The increases I'm seeing are perfectly legal, says Terry Anderson, Spokane Director for the Tenants Union in Washington State. This can't continue, but there's nothing stopping it. So these are some examples of people that are literally coming home and experiencing this, and then they have to go, their next step has to be, how in the world can I afford this? How, what am I going to do? And I think one of their next, their next thoughts is, oh my gosh, am I going to be homeless? So 
this isn't one of those things where you just kind of like, oh, it's, you know, it's a small percentage increase. When your rent goes up by that much, that just rocks your budget. I mean, just huge. At the time, rents had gone up by 45% since 2014. And the vacancy rate was only 1.8%, according to Washington State, uh, Washington Center for Real Estate Research at the University of Washington, the pandemic and the accompanying eviction moratorium may have kept people from being evicted. But there's always the but right. But in other ways, the pandemic contributed to the soaring rent that tenants are facing now that the moratorium has lifted. That's where I've been at just saying, hey, this is gonna happen. This is gonna happen. And I, you know, until you get into these, these things, I think people are just like, well, yeah, they're just gonna lift the you know, moratorium and things are just gonna go right back to where they were. But that whole time period, you have basically monkeyed with the free market for just about a year now, as far as the eviction moratorium goes. And when you do that, there's going to be a boomerang or, you know, back return. And that return on this scenario is skyrocketing rents. You got a perfect storm for a crisis. Okay, there you go. Perfect storm. Returning boomerang. We've talked about that. Um, my boomerang skills are, they're, they're not non-existent. They're worse than that. They're a minus 50, if you get that reference. You've got a perfect storm for a crisis, says James Young, director for the Washington Center for Real Estate Research. That's that's where I've been at. It's like, oh, this isn't good. It's one of those cringe-worthy events where you read the stats and you go, Oh man, this is this is not going to end out. This is not going to end up well. For one, Young says the pandemic, work from home opportunities, and early retirements may have accelerated movement to Spokane from more expensive areas like Seattle. Definitely, he thinks that combined with the lack of housing for new home buyers, it's made it difficult for renters to transition into home buying. So Spokane is far uh, far enough drive away. Is it? Is it three and a half hours? Is it something like that? I can't. Is it five and five hours from Seattle? I've been there a bunch, but I can't remember. You know, you get in your car and you're just like, oh, it's going to take me all day to drive there. Don't care if it's three and a half or five and a half. It's something like that. You know, it's like a half day's drive. Um, it's far enough away from Seattle where it has had property values that have been historically very inexpensive relative to the Seattle market to west of the Cascade Mountains. But there's such an increase in property valuations in western Washington, that that pressure has gone over the mountains and east into eastern Washington and Spokane is a big city over there, big employment center. And um, so they are experiencing what Seattle experienced a number of years ago. And so this is this is that shock factor. So there's no supply, and they're getting outgunned, Young says. So that means that they're stuck in the rental market for longer. It increases the demand of the rental market because the units aren't turning over. And there's fewer and fewer units. And you've got and with higher pricing, people can't afford it, like we say here. So they're going to be tenants, and they're just gonna, they're going to figure out a way to pay. And that's why landlords know that they can raise their rates. And and so let's talk about that for a second. Um, if you haven't been following the Seattle Real Estate Podcast, I, I kind of hammer on the fact that landlords have basically covered the equation for tenants, not all tenants, there's a lot of tenants that are still been paying, even though they had a tough time. 
they figured out they signed a contract, they realized I signed a contract, I'm going to figure out how to make my payments to my landlord, because otherwise, this isn't going to go well. Ones that have not been able to pay or choose not to pay, that's put the pressure on the landlords to cover mortgage expenses, taxes, which have gone up, insurance, which has gone up, any maintenance costs, all of that stuff. That's on the landlords. Only way for landlords to recoup that is to increase in, increase rents. And also, the, 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 the rent increases that would have happened during 2020, you know, whatever those are, maybe they're not huge, those are all going to be, uh, you know, accumulated now. And then you've got that on top of the risk that that landlords take for just being a landlord in this market environment, environment, they need to squeeze every dollar out of the, the rent that they can get, because it's now a riskier proposition to own a rental property. Because due to the eviction moratorium, you've had the rights taken away to be able to do what you need to do with your asset. Yeah, you, you can't move anybody out of there, you can't increase the rents. And here are the very limited circumstances that you can do what you need to with your property. When does that ever happen? Mm hmm, never. All right, so that's going to cost. Here we are. Oh, unintended consequences of the eviction moratorium. Here we are. The eviction moratorium was another force keeping renters in their units. And while some new multifamily units are being built, not enough, the supply is not kept up with the demand. The result, a vacancy rate this spring in Spokane of 0.5%, one half of 1%. That is basically everything is leased out. There are no vacancies. 0.5% barely reflects turnover, which means, okay, so you, your tenants are out, um, call it August 1st, you've got new tenants moving in, say August 15th, there's your 0.5%. And so and in so many cases, tenants move out um, July 29th, whatever it is, new tenants move in August 1st. That's what 0.5% represents. That is zero vacancy. And so when you have zero vacancy, you don't have enough units sloshing around where people are like, all right, I can take my time and figure out where I want to live. And now you're going to have to jump on it. And we're literally hearing about bidding wars on rental units. So we've got this 0.5% vacancy rate on rentals. That's one part of the equation. The other is that landlords say the eviction moratorium resulted in losses that they need to recover. Hmm. We're not just going to expect the landlords to just bend over and take it. We're not. Oh, we already did. That was called the eviction moratorium. They already did. Now the eviction moratoriums are going to be lifted. Guess what? They need to recoup some expenses. And there's going to be a lot of landlords that are literally just they're going to, they're going to cut a deal with their tenants, they want to keep their tenants in there, but their tenants haven't paid whatever, whatever. Um, maybe they know the tenants can pay something. Maybe they are waiting for that Fed money to come through, which doesn't seem to be coming through very fast. There's $46.5 billion of which up until recently, 3 billion has been uh, has made its way from the federal government to state and local governments. And it's because you don't have a mechanism to get that money into the hand of the landlords and or the tenants to, to get the landlords whole. So that process has been very difficult 
um, to navigate. And that's one of them. That's the primary reason that the, um, you know, current administration at the presidential level kind of did what they did is with the eviction moratorium and the CDC, um, basically doing a try for that wasn't legal, but bought them time with the extension of the CDC basically saying, hey, the eviction moratorium goes through October 3rd, I think it is. Even though the Supreme Court said, um, yeah, CDC didn't have any right to do that. And it's going to take an act of Congress to extend this out. Well, the CDC is going to try it. Yeah, we're just going to try this again. And we're going to reword it slightly differently and, you know, rework it and spin it out there. And let's just see what happens, even though the president has basically said, I don't, I don't think this is legal. He literally said that. I don't, I don't believe this is legal. I don't think this will stand up in court, but we're going to give it a run. We're going to give it a rip. And so they're, they're buying time to get this federal money. That's my opinion. Um, I could be wildly wrong. It's, it wouldn't be the first time, nor would it be the last. I'm okay with that. So, um, they've still had to make mortgage payments talking about the landlords, even if the renters can't pay property taxes, insurance and utilities have gone up. He says, and rental assistance has been slow to roll out in many cases. Did we just talk about that? I think we did. Even if one of 10 renters isn't paying rent, it could have a profound impact on a landlord, considering most of rent goes towards operating costs, Waller said. And so they're living off that margin, their their income, the positive cash flow. They're living off that a lot of the times. And if you haven't lived off of that, then you have depleted your savings, your personal savings. Guess what? You're going to look to replenish that because this is an asset and it needs to make sense. Nobody wants to talk about that because they just want to just do the whole, you know, cover the tenants kind of thing because we didn't want to kick them to the curb because if you evict somebody in today's world, that automatically means that they become homeless. That's not true. That's simply not true. But the whole thought there was, oh, we've got to save everybody from the Rona, the dreaded Rona, dreaded Rona. Yeah, dreaded, dreaded, dreaded Rona. Um I'm going to go on a tangent here. Did you see that Lollapalooza happened and only 203 cases came out of that when there's 385,000 people estimated over a four-day weekend? 203 cases out of 385,000 people. That seems weird. There's a lot of stuff going on there. Do those numbers even make sense? I don't know. So clearly, Lollapalooza was not the super spreader we thought it was going to be. I love me some Lollapalooza. I won't really want to go to that festival. That was a festival started by uh, Perry Farrell of uh, Jane's Addiction in 1991. And um, he was basically retiring Jane's Addiction, and it was the farewell tour. And he set up Lollapalooza. Now they got 385,000 people that attended, and only 203 got the Rona. Hmm. Yeah. Have you been to a festival lately? And you know that that's probably perfect conditions for what we've been told would be a super spreader event. And yet 203 people out of 385,000 at a music festival with porta potties, not a lot of water to wash your hands, a lot of lines lines for concessions, lines for bathrooms, sitting around on a 
you know, in a in a music in venue, and then you stand up and you're just shoulder to shoulder with people, and the music starts going. Two hundred and three out of three hundred eighty five thousand. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Not a super spreader event. I just thought I, th- I just thought we'd bring that up. Still, the rent increases of fifty to one hundred percent aren't representative of what's happening with properties throughout the area, says Steve Corker, director for government affairs for the Landlord Association of the Inland Northwest. With some exceptions, he says, most landlords aren't raising rent by more than $100, which can still be a significant burden for renters. Okay, couple hundred bucks, I think is on the high end of the rent increases that I've seen. And a couple hundred bucks over here on the west side of Washington, that's pretty normal. Um, Would they have seen that anyway? Yeah, with you know, maybe a, a rent increase at, at six months into the pandemic, maybe another rent increase after that. Those numbers are not crazy. Five, 600 bucks a month. Those are big numbers. Those are not sustainable numbers. But then you've got landlords that have been through a, uh, you know, a time period where that business has not been sustainable. If you're a landlord with thin margin, if you don't have a lot of cash, how are you going to hold that property together? Super difficult. So all the onus has been put on the landlord. Tenants, ah, you guys are okay. Because both tenants and landlords can lose their job due to the pandemic, right? But we're just with this pandemic, with this epi- uh, with the uh, moratorium, we just covered one side of that equation. That's, that, that's just the weirdest thing ever. This is not common within our membership, Corker says, for the renters who have been meeting the obligation, the last thing you want to do is slap them in the face. All right, but a hundred bucks rent increase, everything else is going up. So is rent because rent, you know, it covers a lot of different things. And these landlords have a lot of stuff in their pipeline that costs have gone up. The thing is, the company controlling both Hilby Station and Trestle Creek, where tenants have seen $600 increases, is Graystar, a company with massive apartment complexes all over the area and the entire globe. If they're raising rent that much, that can affect thousands of tenants. Graystar did not respond to a message seeking comment for this article. Anderson, the tenant unit director, suspects that if property managers are doubling the price for renters who won't sign a lease, that may be a way around a new state law passed this year that requires a just cause to evict renters on month-to-month tenancy. A rental agreement on a fixed 6-12 to month term requires 60 days written notice for eviction before the term ends, but does not require a just cause to terminate. So if you don't have a, uh, a lease, you can be out of there. So that's that's what's going on here, right? As for the initial rent spike, Anders said, uh, said it's simple. I suppose they'll charge what they think they can get, she says. Supply and demand. If if you've got the supply and somebody out there is demanding it, it's where it's going to be. To me, five or 600 bucks, that is steep, especially in this area. I mean, these rents just aren't that high, right? Jared Roundtree, a phlebotomy supervisor for the Providence Medical Group Laboratory, is worried he's going to lose his employees. One of them got a rent increase for about $200. Another, a single mom, got a rent increase of $500. And a third got notice of a $1,000 increase. Those are big numbers. That's kind of what I've been talking about. Big numbers. And, 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 you know, 200 bucks, not crazy 500. That's significant 1000 bucks. 
That's a lot. I don't care who you are. I don't care what the market is. That's a lot. He's tried to find assistance for them, but they can't afford to pay that much and can't find another place in Spokane to move. If they leave, he knows it will be difficult to hire replacements. If you start pulling really qualified people from the city, your medical field, how you get taken care of is going to change, Roundtree says. And that's what we've seen happen in a lot of big cities. The people who do these, uh, you know, who have jobs in these positions, and they can't afford to pay a ton for rent, they are just they're, they're making massive commutes to their jobs in the city, because it's still a better paying job than what they can get living far outside of the city in whatever suburban, or even rural environment that that they're living in. So Anderson st said stories like this illuminate the seriousness of the crisis. Normally, we get calls from tenants that are already rent burdened, who may be disabled or low income, she says. Now we're getting people who make 15 to $20 an hour with livable wages, but these rent increases would put them into poverty. And if they don't have a place to go, they will be unhoused. That's the concern. And that's kind of what I've been saying all along here is that yeah, you might have this eviction moratorium in place. But when this thing unwinds, it's not going to be pretty and you're going to have to rip the band aid off sooner than later. And I've been recommending that for months now. I mean, how many times have we kicked out the eviction moratorium? I don't know. A lot, right? Whether it's a local or a city or a, you know, a state or a federal or a CDC. Let's just let's just keep doing this because how could this possibly go bad? How could it possibly go bad? But you know, a lot of the politicians, they flat don't understand. And so they just kind of do it. And they're like, Oh, how could this go right? How could this go sideways? Rents are going up that much. All right, well, next, let's move on. Let's move on to ignoring the crisis at the southern border. How about that? How about we do that? That's easy to do. Ooh, wow. How about that border? Ooh. Wow. How about that border? How about that? But now let's talk about the Mariners. All right. So short of rent control, however, Anderson says she doesn't have many answers that would help them. That's the problem. There isn't going to be. Patrick Jones, the executive director in the Institute of Public Policy and Economic Analysis of Eastern Washington University, says wages right now don't come close to keeping up with rent increases, especially if there are increases of 30%, let alone 50, which is just nutty. These rent spikes, however, shouldn't repeat themselves in this magnitude, Jones says. Permitting activity from, for multifamily housing right now in Spokane is strong, he says, and he anticipates that continuing. All right. That doesn't really matter. So you've got some permits for multifamily housing. Guaranteed, you don't have enough. Whatever will come on the market from construction of new of uh, multifamily housing will be absorbed the minute it is completed, probably prior to that. And you're going to be right back where you where you are right now, which is a shortage. If prices are high, then that's going to invite other suppliers into the market. And over time, those price increases will abate, Jones says. They won't drop to zero, but they will definitely slow down. Okay, so we are talking about basic supply and demand here. And the fact that if there is a high profit, this, this is Econ 101, right? If there's a high profit margin, that will attract more people into whatever business that is, that should reduce those high profit margins down to a point of equilibrium, right? 
All right. So we're talking about the price increases. I think you're still going to see price increases because property values are going up. And those who can afford them will afford them. And we've got this real situation of the haves and haves nots. This pandemic has really shown that, especially in the housing market. So they won't drop to zero. We're talking about increases in rent. They won't drop to zero, but they will definitely slow down. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But by then, rental prices are going to be so high that it's kind of like, wow, that is shockingly high. I don't, you know, you're, you're going to have people living way the heck out commuting. And we've got that already here in Seattle. We've got people commuting from Olympia into downtown Seattle. It's like an hour and a half drive consistently. That's not that big of a thing anymore. It's like, where do you work? Um, uh, downtown Seattle. All right. You're looking at buying a house in Olympia. Yep. Okay. That is tricky. That's a long drive up the I-5. Young from University of Washington says increasing housing supply is critical, but he stresses that there should be a variety of ownership options for those wanting to move out of the rental market and into ownership. That can mean building more condominium developments, for example. All right, that is a wish list that is probably not going to come true. We all wish that there should be a variety of ownership options for those wanting to move out of the rental market and into ownership. I think everybody, if they had the choice or they had the option, they would not rent, they would own. So I agree with this statement, but getting from point A to point B, tricky at best, especially in an increasing market. And when you are struggling to make rent, you are not putting money aside for your down payment on future house. This is a tough market. There's no way around it. This is a brutal market. If not, he argues, prices in the entire rental market will rise. That's what's happening. He describes it as a ladder. When a key segment of the market has a bottleneck, it hurts those down the ladder. Okay, uh, at that point, building more low-income apartments while necessary in the short term becomes a game of whack-a-mole. That means you whack it here and it pops up over there. Um, so we talk about the ladder. And so, so we've got we've got the people at the very top, luxury, you know, super nice housing, um, really, really good, nice housing, average housing, substandard housing, really crappy housing, entry level, entry level, you know, whatever that is. And then that's not to say any of those, you're not talking derogatory, I'm just talking about, okay, that is, uh, you know, that's affordable, but that is not really a nice home. So you talk about the these ladders, and we used to talk about the rungs of buyers who would be required in a marketplace, your entry level buyers need to build up enough equity and get better jobs so that they can move up to that next step up in housing, the next step up, they, they buy the kind of the semi luxury, and then those people move up, sell their homes and buy the luxury, you know, and, and only really, really rich people buy the ultra luxury. But you've got to have all these people along the food chain to make the market work. Now, you've just basically got uh, you know, the haves on the lower half or on the upper half who have homes, and then everybody else down below, and they're not getting in on this. So that's kind of exactly what you've got. And to make it from the being a renter into the ownership position is super difficult, just because things are so expensive. And rent is so much. That's what's going on. So 
just it's a weird market. It's uh, it, it's kind of alarming if you're used to dealing with, you know, consistent principles that are based on market principles, you look at the market and go, this is tweaked. This is not, this is not balanced. And it's not, it's just not. So that's why you've got these aberrations happening. And you're like, Ooh, that's a big increase. You got some supply issues here. So Waller from the Washington Multifamily Housing Association says that in order to create a better variety of housing in Spokane, the city needs to remove single family zoning. Mm. Do not agree. Do not agree. It's something housing advocates in Spokane have been calling for and a few city council members may support. Single family zoning is an exclusionary zoning policy that prevents the opportunity to create one duplex and one triplex in a neighborhood, Waller says. Removing it doesn't mean that they're going to put a 25-story tower down the street. We have a little thing here in Washington called the Growth Management Act. And it's put in place, it was put in place in the 1990s, so that we had a management plan. When you start taking single family zoning neighborhoods and upzoning them, it kind of, your utilities, your roadways, your services, all of that good stuff, it's not intended to have that many users, right? It's just not. They, all the infrastructure has already been put in place. You talk about going and retrofitting a single family with a uh, multifamily, you're going to have some real issues. But you know, most of the folks that are recommending upzoning in residential neighborhoods, they don't really understand that anyway. If you want to put an accessory dwelling unit, in addition to an already existing single family home, like we've seen happen all over Seattle to increase your housing supply, that's worked out okay. That's worked out okay. But you are not, you're not uh, in the footprints of those ADUs or accessory dwelling units. Those are pretty small. And they have to meet a lot of criteria. But at the end, you're still talking about a really dense urban type residential feel where there's, you know, it's just kind of cramped and you can't see the sun because you're just straight up buildings. And it's kind of like, ah, uh, it just, it's not a good look, but you know, it's, you get more housing units out of it. And if that's your end goal, then, you know, that is literally something going on. So these solutions working long-term is the best case scenario, however, and in the coming months, it's likely that renters like Deathridge will continue seeing rent increases, forcing them to scramble for ways to pay or find a new place. Because this other stuff, talking about building new units and talking about upzoning, yeah, that is years out, years out from helping the supply. And by then, are you going to have more jobs in the area? Probably. Are you going to have more people in the area? Yeah, Washington State, just uh, Seattle area, just basically had you know one of the fastest growing populations in the United States. Is that going to continue? Well, are new jobs still coming in? Yeah. All right. So what's going to stop it? Lack of affordable housing hasn't stopped it so far. But there's going to be a tipping point at some point, right? I mean, there just is. People can't pay at a certain point. And I think here with some of these increases, there's going to be some, there will be some kickback, of course. Um, people who can't pay are just like, yep, I'm out. And landlords will find out. Uh, maybe maybe bumping 500 bucks wasn't the greatest plan in the world. Well, it was a try for. Yeah, we're a big corporate company. It was a try for. Didn't work out. 
all right, we're going to knock that down to $300 rent increase. You look around and there's really nothing to be had, Deathridge says, as far as rental housing. I work a full-time job. I don't really have the capacity to make this my job looking for affordable housing. And that's not a good job because it's not out there. And so, you know, kind of is what it is. Very frustrating for folks in that position. Um, I feel for them. I really do. Because affordable housing, it's a huge issue. It's a huge issue here in Western Washington. Because uh, the what you can get for entry level jobs does not cover doesn't cover rent, doesn't cover rent, not even close. So you got to have a bunch of people live together. And that's a lot of what you're saying. So yeah, a lot of issues, not a lot of solutions. But we're going to keep talking about it here in the Seattle Real Estate Podcast, because this is, um, it's important stuff that people are, you know, it's impacting people's lives. And people's lives are being turned upside down, you know, from these kinds of things. And um, as people work their way through, I'll cover it right here on the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. All right. Thanks so much for joining. Um, we'll catch up soon. Until then, stay safe. We'll see you soon. Bye for now. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell so you'll know when our next video is out.